can a man be the husband his wife needs? How can he lead his marriage into a God-glorifying mission? Our host, Bill Petrie, suggests that the husband might begin by taking three modest steps. Dream, draw, and do. Now for today's host, Bill Petrie. Hello, welcome to this edition of Differing Things. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and I want to thank you for joining us today and spending some of your day with us. Our typical images of romantic married love picture a couple facing each other, eyes locked in mutual affection, and for good reason. Adam's first words to Eve were a serenade. In the Song of Solomon, the whole world serves as a backdrop to the beauty of the beloved. And one day, our Lord Jesus will present the church to himself in splendor, according to Ephesians 5.27. A wife adorned and deeply adored. While friends typically stand side by side, absorbed in some common interest, C.S. Lewis writes, lovers are normally face to face, absorbed in each other, end of quote. And yet, as most couples know, marriage calls for more than tender clasping. In fact, the inward gaze, if allowed to exclude all else, will turn sick. The Solomonic song will spiral out of tune. For from the beginning, God built into marriage another gaze, another song. When we hear the Lord God say, it is not good that the man should be alone, we may assume the not good refers to a relational lack an emotional hole in Adam's heart. No doubt, Adam felt that lack, that hole. But God's next words turn our eyes surprisingly to Adam's vocational need. I will make him a helper, fit for him, Genesis 2.18 says. God had given Adam an outward mission in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And Adam needed help in order to fulfill that mission. He needed not only a face before him, but a shoulder beside him. Marriages today still need a mission. And that means men today still need. A mission. This dynamic picture of marriage, this inward and outward posture, finds beautiful expression in Eve's two titles in Genesis chapter 2. She is, on the one hand, woman. When Adam awakes from his deep sleep and finds his rib returned to him, transfigured, he breaks out in verse. 
Genesis 2.23 records, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Lest we imagine marriage as a union of mere usefulness, a practical arrangement for the doing of tasks, God shows us the first husband singing the wonder of his wife. Here standing before him is woman. His own humanity refracted through the prism of diversity. She answers the longing of his heart, and he hers. Yet Eve is, on the other hand, helper. When she enters Eden, she meets a man already on a mission to work and keep the garden under the authority of their maker. And then together, she and her man receive the commission to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, according to Genesis 1.28. By God's good design, the mission of the garden required not just one, but two. Not just man, but woman. Adam needed a compatible co-regent, a queen to assist in his reign, a helper of the highest honor. Together, in complementary glory, they would garden the world. In the pattern of Genesis 2, then, a husband loves his wife as woman, and he leads his wife as helper. He waxes poetic about her beauty, and he labors with her beside him. He rises up to praise her, much like what we read in Proverbs chapter 31, in verses 28 through 29. And he empowers her dominion later on in that very same chapter. He embraces her as lover, and they stride forth as fellow rulers. Their inward romance, like the trunk of a great tree, branches up and out, bearing fruit for outward mission. Men today, of course, do not receive a direct, specific mission from God as Adam did. <clears throat> Nevertheless, God's original pattern of creating a man, giving him a mission, and then granting him a wife as both woman and helper, tells us much about God's lasting designs for marriage. Today's Adams may not have a literal garden to work and keep, 
but we have our own spheres for mission. Homes to manage, children to father, churches to love and lead, jobs to work, and neighborhoods to reach for Christ. Each is a field to dethorn and unthistle, to plow and sow, to take dominion, and to make as many believers as we can. And any honest man gazing upon those fields will agree with God's ancient verdict. It is not good that the man should be alone. Some men, like the Apostle Paul, will advance their mission unmarried with the help that comes from friends and fellow laborers rather than a wife. Most, however, will follow the creation norm and with their wives, they will expand the garden of God's kingdom in their surrounding spheres. Together, he and she will look with longing at each other and also at all the land around them, waiting to be claimed for Christ. Too often, I fear, I act as if the mission of marriage were simply marriage, that merely a happy home and not also a happy world were God's aim in our union. I live like an arrow at home in the quiver, forgetting the feel of the bow, the rush of outward flight. How then might men like me, recover in Christ the lost design of Genesis chapter 2. How might husbands live with our wives as treasured women and as precious helpers, together building something beyond ourselves? I find help from a simple three-peat framework. Dream, draw, do. Let's talk about dream. Adam's leadership began with a vision of what could be a garden work and kept and earth-filled and subdued. A husband's leadership likewise, often begins with a dream. He looks out upon home, children, church, neighborhood, imagining what they might look like under the total headship of Jesus Christ and what he and his wife might do about it. How might they make their children into young adults 
who love their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How might neighborhood hospitality become something that is routine? How might the family be actively engaged with the ecclesia? And how might we incorporate others from the ecclesia into our prayer lives? Unlike the sluggard of Proverbs 20, verse 4, who does not plow in autumn and therefore will seek at harvest and have nothing, he takes thought for the future long before it comes, anticipating needs, discerning opportunities, noticing possible threats, and learning to plant and plow more faithfully in autumn. And as the seasons of family life change, as new children are born, as the kids grow, and as normal years run their course through summer, and summer in the fall, and into winter, he keeps dreaming, developing fresh vision for the family's various spheres. Any godly wife, of course, will do her fair share of dreaming too. She will feel a holy discontent and imagine better ways the family might fulfill their callings. A godly husband will cherish such dreams as head of the home, however, he also will feel his special responsibility to take the family forward rather than waiting for his wife to lead the charge. And so, and so he dreams. And as he dreams, he labors to draw her. If the responsibility to dream counteracts the passivity in a man, the calling to draw undermines any tendency he may have toward domineering leadership. As with Adam and Eve, God intends a couple's mission to be theirs and not just his. So with patience and tenderness, with wisdom and humility, a man draws his wife in and out. God intends a couple's mission to be theirs and not just his. In drawing her in, he welcomes his wife into his dreaming, gathering her impressions, asking for her feedback, hearing her counsel. He knows his dreams are often incomplete and immature without her complementary perspective. He knows too that her dreams may often surpass his own in sound judgment. Like the Proverbs 31 woman, 
she opens her mouth with, with wisdom, and he is not too insecure to hear it. And drawing his wife out, he imagines how their mission together might make full use of her abilities. How might he draw out her strengths rather than diminish them? Unleash her potential rather than cage it. See her bloom and flourish rather than wither. Or, as Herman Bavinick writes in The Christian Family on page 6, how might he help her assist him in the fullest and broadest sense, physically and spiritually, with her wisdom and love, with her head and her heart? End of quote. And finally, having dreamed for his family and drawn his wife, a husband does, he acts, taking the first steps toward the garden's uncultivated edge. <clears throat> Practically, he seeks to be the one who says, let us most often, let us gather the kids for family devotions. Let us plan a block party for our neighbors. Let us get away, just the two of us. Let us go early to serve at our local church this week. Some of us may find dreaming and drawing easier than actually doing. Adam seems to have, though he knew his mission and drew Eve into it, he failed to actually do it in the face of opposition. Doing lays a burden on a man in the most inconvenient hours. Attacking his laziness and selfish use of time. Calling for energy after long work days. Bidding him rise and step when he would rather sit. I need help remembering that family leadership is not a one-time vision a momentary inspiration, but a day-in, day-out pursuit, a fashioning of dreams from difficult moments. What a gift to a home, and what a reflection of Christ when a man acts as the first mover Can a wife take initiative in similar ways? Yes, she can, and sometimes should. Just because her husband says, let us, most, does not mean she never does. 
but what a gift to a home. And what a reflection of Christ when a man acts as the first mover in leads. The mission of marriage calls for all of a man. It is the man who is given the command to love. And therefore, it calls for a man to give all of his heart to God and submit all of his life to Christ and to yield all of his will to the Spirit so that he indeed can experience the love of God. And by experiencing that love of God, convey it to his partner his woman, his helper. Such an all-in, all-out man will embrace his wife as woman, his perfect match, his lily of the valley, his home on earth, his heart's best song. And he also will embrace her as helper, his lover on mission, his indispensable partner, his queen with crown and scepter. And so he will love her. And so he will lead her. If you enjoyed today's Differing Things, please consider following us. And I would really love to hear your thoughts. So please feel free to leave your comments as well. And if you would like to know more information about us, why not check out our website, www beacon-ministries.org. And remember to put that hyphen in there, otherwise you will appear on a different website. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.